Hello, my name is Sherry Tucker of Tucker Legal Services. I am an estate planning and elder law attorney located in St. Louis, Missouri. I am licensed in Arkansas and Missouri. Today, I want to talk to you and with you about something that is so important to you and your family. What is that? It is your last will and testament. Today I would like to cover some basics about a last will and testament. The first question asked, who may write a last will and testament? A person must be 18 years of age, that is the legal age, and have the mental capacity to write his or her last will and testament. There are certain legal requirements that a last will and testament must meet in order to be valid. So when we're talking about this last will and testament, most people think that they can just download a form or order uh, online software, fill in the blanks, and voila, they have a last will and testament. But to be valid, certain requirements must be met. Each state has its own legal requirements for a will and testament. For example, in Missouri, a last will and testament must be signed and witnessed by two witnesses who are not a beneficiary in the last will and testament. But is that really enough? Over and over again, I have seen last will and testaments that a person has written on their own or created on their own. They've been witnessed, sometimes with one witness, which then causes problems. It's not considered valid in Missouri. Or it's witnessed, but not notarized. So what makes notarization an important step in, a, in someone's last will and testament. A last will and testament that is witnessed and a notary uh, seals the document that the witnesses and the um, testator or testatrix signed the last will and testament in the presence of each other with the witnesses' names and addresses is called self-proving. When a last will and testament is only witnessed and the person dies and the will is filed in court and there is no self-proving affidavit, then an attorney must request what is called commissions. A commission's request to the court says, please find the witnesses 
and have them swear they signed and witnessed the testator's name on this document. To request a commissions without the self-proving affidavit takes time, which then lengthens probate and increases the cost of probate because an attorney is having to do more work on the file and commissions are having to be sent out. If the witnesses can't be found or refuse to sign the document, the request, which goes into the court record, then a hearing is called to determine the validity of a last will and testament. When a person does their own DIY, last will and testament, and doesn't have this step in place, it causes the family problems. Another issue that comes up quite frequently is having this last will and testament and it is poorly written. A poorly written last will and testament, well, it cannot be undone. I mean, when a person dies, that's it. That is the last will and testament. Oftentimes, the person's intent and the reality of what is in the document do not match. I could give several examples of the types of problems or issues that are faced by a family when a person tries to write their own will, whether it's using online software, employer software, handwritten will. There are issues that happen, and these issues do not help the family. When a family is trying to grieve the death of a loved one and is faced with a difficult probate, the grief intensifies. The, just the emotional stress intensifies. Probate in of itself is a very difficult, emotional time for families. When there are problems that come up, it makes everything just seem more burdensome, more difficult, and it's just a struggle for families to work through. The families are having to deal with maybe another side uh, of someone who might be inserted into the last will and testament or challenging a last will and testament. And they have an attorney and the other side has an attorney. So we're talking about increased cost because for some reason people save and invest in their own personal belongings and their assets, but then want to just only spend $99 on some form or try to get by with something handwritten. And really, what happens is that more money is spent on legal fees and court cost than if an advice and the planning from an estate planning attorney 
had been paid for. So let's talk about some issues that might happen. For example, a person writes his or her will and looks at their home. Now, the home tends to be a person's major investment. So they're going to protect the home. And maybe they say, okay, I'm going to do a beneficiary deed and I'm leaving my home to my daughter or to my son or to my grandchildren. Sometimes people even list five, maybe even seven names to a beneficiary deed. Okay, so now we have one person to take care of for a beneficiary deed and do a certificate of death, do an affidavit of death. Or now we have two people, three people, four people, seven people who are entitled to this house. And then, of course, they're going to have to make a decision. All seven own that house. Are they going to all seven live there? Is it going to be sold? Who's going to decide if it's going to be sold? How are they going to divide up the house? So that's an issue. Well, guess what? You take care of the house. People mistakenly believe that the personal property inside the home is also left to those beneficiaries and so they leave it out and we have all this personal property now does the personal property automatically go to beneficiary no it has to go through probate furniture clothing jewelry it's an inventory of personal property what happens to valuable collections Maybe someone has a baseball card collection, a coin collection. Maybe there's paintings, artwork, expensive jewelry with appraiser values. What happens to the personal property? Especially if it does not follow the house. Worse yet, many parts of personal property especially for women, are family heirlooms. Family heirlooms inherited from great-grandparents. Family heirlooms that have sentimental value, perhaps more than fair market value. So let's look at a real issue. A person received an annuity from... Uh, their spouse who had passed away and started a very nice savings account and over the course of a few years managed to save quite a bit. A house was paid for, the car was paid for, there was a nice amount in banking accounts. So everything was left to a beneficiary an heir. Probably coming up to a quarter of a million dollars or more. However, 
even though everything was POD, payable on death, transfer on death, beneficiary deeded, nothing accounted for the personal property, and the personal property amounted to family heirlooms and very nice gifts from friends who had known the person for decades. However, for some reason, this person, the testator, changed a will and added a gift of money to someone outside of the family and not even a long-term friend of decades. And lo and behold, the beneficiary, looking at all these family heirlooms, first was told, you own everything, and then was told by another attorney, guess what? The personal property does not follow the deed of the house, and you could be forced to sell everything inside the house to pay this person this gift of money. Now, I'm sure many of you know about estate sales. And some of these estate sales are probably forced to happen because somebody received some money and the only way to get that money was from the proceeds of selling personal property. Now, isn't that shocking? But that's what can happen. That's what can happen when you tidy up every part of your estate plan and then add a gift of money that isn't there. Not there because a payable on death doesn't go through probate. A transfer on death doesn't go through probate. Beneficiary deeds don't go through probate. But the personal property does. So that was an issue. How do you then, what can you say to that family with family heirlooms? You may lose it all. Think about the trauma that a family may go through. Looking at items that he or she grew up with that have some very real sentimental value from childhood or even from knowing grandparents or great-grandparents to be told you may have to for you may be forced to sell these items because a person inserted a clause into a will without understanding the legal consequences here's another one a will sets out no contest clause which is usually upheld in the majority of states, attaches a memorandum for how his personal property is to be given to beneficiaries. The memorandum is written about, you know, two months before the last will and testament. It's signed. Not witnessed. Okay. It's always great, you know, to have a witness so that's the memorandum. 
but it's totally left out of the person's will. So when he wrote his will, two months later, never, never referenced the memorandum. So guess what? The memorandum is useless. And the personal property will not go to the person he wanted it to. Period. That's the way it is. Here's another. Person leaves money to charity outside of probate, but then has no money for the charity. There's nothing to give. That's a problem. Or, the charity has ceased to exist. And there is nothing to say what happens to that money. It's not going to go to that charity. The charity's gone. Another problem that can happen is when someone does their own will and they have uh, maybe a family member with a disability and instead of talking to an attorney, they leave that person money and now it causes that person to have problems with any type of government benefits. And so that problem needs to be fixed. Again, Taking care of your own last will and testament from a form or fill in the blanks or handwriting it without talking to an attorney, without getting advice, legal advice, and without having someone prepare the document, this attorney prepare the document for you. It may seem like it's cost effective while you're alive. But in the end game, it is not cost effective for the family. And truly, part of estate planning is to have peace of mind. Not just for yourself that you've done everything right, but also for your family. Peace of mind for your family. Lessening the stress of the family. There are times that your DIY will is not valid. And that means you're dying without a will. Which goes to what does the state law say? Who gets what? And, you know, I, I have met people that say it doesn't matter to them. You know, they're dead. Okay, but at some point, it's going to matter to somebody you love and care about. So there are so many pitfalls that can happen when you try to, to write something on your own, when you uh, are, have an intent of how you want things left, but how it's written, they do not match. The good thing about it is if an attorney messes up, and your intent is not clear, that attorney has malpractice insurance. But when you go to an online document form and you're doing it yourself, you only have yourself to blame. Well, not really, because you're not going to be around, right? But I tell you what, your family will be frustrated. And really, when we're leaving life, we want people to have good memories, not only of how we lived it, 
but how we treated our loved ones. So my name is Sherry Tucker of Tucker Legal Services. I truly am a personal care attorney. I help you with your estate plan so that you can have peace of mind, so that your family can have peace of mind. As tempting as it is during the times of COVID and this pandemic, resist the temptation to do your own estate plan and DIY your last will and testament. It's too important a document. So really for the end game, for peace of mind, Tucker Legal Services is here to help. And just remember, the choice of an attorney is a very important decision and should not be based solely on any advertisement or social media. And with this, I wish you a good day.